we live in a time where we casually throw out commitments and promises. And I'm telling you, there's something spiritually that happens when you make a commitment and break it. And there is something spiritual that happens, powerful, otherworldly, like tap into supernatural, you know, marvel floating through the air kind of powers where you're accomplishing mighty things. There's something that happens when you keep a commitment at all costs. And you know what? When you make a commitment to God and you keep that commitment, He will always, always confirm you in all that you do. And that is what the oath is about. It is time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. And welcome in on this episode, uh, Darren Scott. I'm excited to be able to visit with him about the new movie, The Oath. And maybe this is something that you have been anticipating. It has a storied past. We will spend a good portion of the time chatting with him today about that. But I would like to get to know the real man himself before we do so. Darren, welcome to the Cultural Hall. Hey, man. Thank you, Richie. Thank you so much for having me on. I, uh, I have stuff, to I so. have to tell you that hair, uh, it, if you are not watching the video portion of uh, this interview, <laughs> Darren is an is an attractive gentleman. Let us start there. Um, you got you got the hair. It's perfectly quaffed. We're recording this on the weekend. Are you just is it Hollywood? You just you just always look like you could walk a red carpet if you'd like. You know, why don't we talk about how you look? I mean, you're you're a handsome dude too. <laughs> yeah, you know? stop, stop, it, stop. You know, we don't need to we don't need to start there. You know, as they say, the Lord looketh upon the heart, brother. So okay, okay. Um, you know, look, I, it's it's fun. I, I love being in movies, and um, uh, you know, sometimes you walk around. Like I, I once had a gal and. A, a beautiful black gal in California is coming out of a hotel that lived there for uh, uh, living in hotels for almost a year and a half uh, out here in California, finishing this movie mm-hmm. um, away from my family. A lot of the time it was very challenging. We'll get into that. But uh, I'm, I'm walking out of my hotel room and this uh, this this beautiful black gal, she says, I, are you are you in Hollywood? You look like you in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like. I'm like, dude, you can't make that up. That's awesome. I said, well, you know, actually, yeah, I am. She's like, I see, I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) That's awesome. Incredible. All right. So let's back it up. Let's back it up even before all that. Let's back it up to a young Darren. Uh, I want to know what made you think that this was even what you wanted to do. Why storytelling? Why movies? Why? Why that whole thing? Wow. Um, I I've always been kind of a performer. Um, I, I started when I was a little kid, I learned how to run into doors really convincingly and fall down to the point that my mother actually almost had a heart attack a few times because I, I got really good at it. I was like kind of stunts, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Pratt falls and yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, I was really good at it. She was like, oh my gosh, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm fine. You know, she's like, don't do And she would say, don't you cry wolf. You cry wolf too many times. Anyway. Um, she'd also say that about swimming in a pool, which, uh, ironically we'll get to in a second, possibly in this, in this interview that I almost drowned a month before, uh, making this movie in a okay. bottomless lake, uh, bear lake, still the depths are unknown. Um, so anyway, yeah, so I've been kind of a performer. I got into theater uh, in junior high. Um, I was a real ham kid. I was kind of the kid in class that would make the class laugh. And, um, so I got in a play when I was in junior high. And uh, then I did plays in high school. I did a play uh, at uh, what was uh, then Rick's College, now BYU-Idaho. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, actually dropped out of that play, uh, believe it or not, because I walked onto the football team. So I had this, uh, I had this real. Um, and anytime I, you want to rein me in if I'm going somewhere. That, oh, of course, don't worry. I will say, hey, book. Darren. I will say, Darren, <laughs> stop. Let's get this thing back on the track. So you don't have to worry about that well, with me. In that case, listen on, dear friend. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, okay. So I played, I, I had this real juxtaposition growing up because I was always very athletic, mm-hmm. which by the way, oh my gosh, this movie, The Oath, I, I have never been in such heaven. I mean, it is literally my calling to do ancient action, even just action, any action film where I'm mm-hmm. acting and meshing my athletic ability. Oh my gosh. I was, I was on cloud nine. Uh, our 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 uh, our stunt coordinator Manny Severio, uh, incredible guy. He worked on some of the biggest films in Hollywood, um, and he was just like, "You're really picking this up fast." You, you're <laughs> I'm like, "You have no idea. I love this stuff. I played football for 12 years. I played college ball. I um, so I was I always had this juxtaposition where I, I or, or this or this uh, yeah, it's not the right word um, conflict. I, I sure. wanted to, I wanted to be in sports." But I also loved performing and, and looking back, you know, maybe I would have performed more than because that's a more, you know, uh, lengthy career versus uh, sports. You know, you top out of, you know, mid 30s, 40, you know. Sure, sure. Um, so but I loved football and and that that, uh, you know, the action part of this movie was just so thrilling. Um, but so I, I got into performing young. And then I I've always uh, I've always had really an affinity um, for, let me, let me back up. My father, um, I, I you, you may know this if you profiled me before this interview, sure. uh, maybe you did, but, uh, my father passed away a month before my 17th birthday, unexpectedly of, of a heart attack. Um, he was a pilot <clears throat> and, um, he was on a jog on a beach in Cancun, Mexico and just collapsed on the beach. Mm. And, uh, I got to tell you, look, and, and you know, you know, I mean, look, you say the words Book of Mormon. It's like, oh, my gosh, what? Yeah, it's like this. And, and you know what it is? This is really what it comes down to me, Richie. What is so controversial about a book that purports that Jesus Christ visited the American continent? What is like, I just don't get it. Mm. How, how could that possibly be controversial? Wouldn't you want to know if Jesus came to America? Like, wouldn't you want to know that? Sure. Even if you don't believe it, wouldn't you be curious to know? Was that, does that really happen? What? Yeah. yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it possible that Jesus is the God of the whole earth and the universe, and not just Jerusalem? Sure. Like it just makes sense. And so I've never understood why that's such a tab. It's so ridiculous. Um, so let but, me let me butt in here real quick. So yeah, yeah. we're talking we're talking about a bunch of different things, and I want to dial in on a couple of things. So uh, your dad passes a- away from your family, and you get yeah. a phone call. The oh, family gets rallied. Yeah, the, so, the, uh, the, val- the family gets rallied together, and and how does that impact your your faith? Certainly, we're a faith of you know the idea that we can be together as eternal families. Does that sort of fortify it because of the loss of your dad, or is that a yeah, how dare a great, you, God? Very, very good, uh, very good question, Richie, and um. Yeah, it's actually, that's what I was getting to. I was getting to that because, you know, I just, I don't care, you know, that, you know, what people say, mm-hmm. oh, Book of Mormon this. I know there's millions that believe it was, it was his, his, his authentic history. It's an inspired book. I certainly believe that. And the reason I believe that is because, look, man, I can't make up 
that that book literally saved my life because I really came to like intently read it when I was a junior in high school. And I like, um, I, I, the only way I can describe it is, you know, you know, that scene in, uh, you know, Forrest Gump where Lieutenant Dan's jumps into the water and swimming away. I think he found, made his peace with God. That was my peace. Hmm. Happened when I was a junior in high school. I mean, I literally became like the weirdest kid. Like I, I wouldn't listen to music that in any way would drive away uh, the Holy Spirit of the Lord. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I was just, I mean, my friends, uh, I had some of the most powerful experiences with God, with deity that just, just divine and personal things. And then my father passed away and I look back at it and I'm like, man, that book saved my life. You know, mm-hmm. and of course I, I love the Bible too. That, that was a big part of it. Saved my life too. But there's just something, you know, about the book of Mormon. It just really, it's, you know what it is? It's, it's the her- heroes, the heroes, even if people don't think that they really existed, I, I, I know they did, but even if people don't believe that, these were heroes that were, that miraculously were able to maintain their honor in viciously dishonorable times. Isn't that intriguing? Yeah. And isn't that timely? Do we need that today? Like, we live in horrific times right now, the most divisive time perhaps in the history of the world. Uh, and here we are. And don't we need heroes who, you know, can maintain their honor in the face of persecution, in the face of, uh, you know, lies that are that are spoken about them? And we live in a world that's like you say one thing, the media takes it. You watch someone's going to rip this rip, rip this podcast and twist <laughs> it and turn it and, you know, paint you as something you're not. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just the world's sick of it. Yeah. It's, but- the world's sick of it. They just want the truth. Uh, one of the one of the uh, captions I read about you online, I, I appreciated the use of this word. It says that you are an enthusiastic fan of Captain Moroni. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the Book of Mormon is full of heroes, as you state, right? You know, you can look to Ammon, you can look to, you know, Nephi in, in the first, you know, Book of Nephi. There are lots of heroes. What do you think it is that drew you particularly to Captain Moroni. Does that even need an answer, man? Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> here, here is the pedestal of which you're able to... The scripture as written, okay? Yeah. The source material as written, whether people believe it or not, okay? <laughs> if all men had been and were and ever would be like unto Moroni, the very powers of hell would be shaken forever, and the devil would never have power over the hearts of the children of men. Does that sound like someone you want to emulate? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, like, look, even if you don't, the funny thing is, like, I, I think a lot of atheists really respect, you know, theists, because they're like, yeah, you know, I don't believe that. But yeah, I'm all about like, hey, let's be good. And let's have principle and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's principle. That's a man of principle. That's a man of courage. That's a man of honor. That I mean, look, who doesn't want to be? Oh, you know what? There's plenty of people on the world who do not want to uh, um offend satan right sure, sure. <laughs> there's plenty of people who who uh who love appeasing that man and 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 the the temporary satisfaction they get from from falling for his traps but i'm sorry as for me and in, in my house <laughs> we want to shake the powers of hell <laughs> yeah. so so you He's... know i i love captain Moroni for that and and just i mean you if you really dive into i mean that you know what you know what's awesome though is that the script the, the the words say there never was 
a happier time than in the times of Moroni. And so whatever you want to call, he's, he's some, you know, zealot, he's some, you know, uh, um, rash, you know, he just rushes to, you know, he's just too rigid. You know what? They never had a happier time than under that man. You know why? Because happiness, true happiness can only come from right living. That is that is the only way you know, we, we spend our lives trying to find happiness. And, and God lets us do this, right? Because it's agency, like free will is nothing is more important than that. Like you can't be a soul if you don't have choice. And he lets us make these decisions. It's always just fascinating. Like, oh, there's no God because, you know, one of our investors, children died in a car wreck. Jeez. I mean, how do you well, how did God let this happen? You know? The sun rises on the evil and the righteous. You know, uh, sometimes you can't explain things, mm-hmm. but um, you know we're we're here to to make those choices. God allows those, and and um, yeah, it's happy. But true happiness can only come when when we have that choice mm-hmm. and we voluntarily choose what many times is appears to be. And at least initially feels like the harder path, because when you do the right thing, you're mocked, mm-hmm. you're ridiculed, you were uh, persecuted as in ancient times, as in modern. Uh, and and so you, you start to go, am I wasting my or what am I doing? Like, I don't want to live this way and be persecuted and 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 be mocked for trying to do the right thing. But I mean, that's. That's the only way to happiness because the reality is it feels like the harder way. But but man, when you like this project, the oath, mm-hmm. we brought together oh, it's about seventy souls from backgrounds as diverse as the stars. I mean, we it was amazing. It was um, it, it was thrilling. I love working with people who don't believe what I believe because it's just this it's this amazing thing that happens when. Someone is willing, you know, there's this thing where people start to shut off knowledge. They start to think, I know everything. And it comes, I think, from this, you know, the world owes me something kind of attitude where mm-hmm. they just, they literally stop receiving knowledge. Like, even if you say, Joseph Smith was a total crock, man. He he made this book up. We had one comment that said, I love fantasy films. Joseph Smith had a greater mind than Hubbard. Yeah. Like, see, that's what I'm talking about. Like here you have a person who can say how they feel. And you know what? It's like, it doesn't take away from me. Right. And I think, look, as members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, of which I am and was raised and I'm proud to be, you know, they're, they're an honorable people. Mm Mm-hmm. And at least they try to be. Look, uh, the word, you know, Latter-day Saint, I really don't take that lightly. And Jordan Peterson doesn't say he's Christian for a reason, because he knows what it means when you say that. And sometimes we get so light with it. I'm a Latter-day Saint. Oh, really? You're a saint? Yeah. Yeah. How did you treat your wife today? Mm -hmm. I'm talking to myself, you know. So anyway, um, uh, bring me back to what what I want to do is I want to take a quick break. When we come back in the second block. I want to go to where the genesis of this Oath Project came about, because it wasn't always a feature film. It was something else long before that. And I want to talk about how we got to where it is, to where it's coming out in theaters. And some of the things I have had the opportunity to watch it, 
I want to talk, uh, we won't talk spoilers, everyone. I want to make sure that we all enjoy <laughs> the film when we get the opportunity to go see it in theaters. But I do have some questions about some of the things which which I saw. Some are the uh, the artistry in which you put into the film and other things are just like, huh, how did you make that decision? Or, or what, what's the point? What are we doing here? Uh, we'll come back and do that in the second block of The Cultural Hall. Best DJ in Utah.com. You're right. It's a new ad. What? Well, it's been an entire season since I've recorded a best DJ in Utah.com ad. And well, the wedding season coming to an end at this point, but not really because what happens now is everyone who's going to get married in 2024 reaches out and says, Richie, is it possible? Do you still have this date? And I tell them, yes, hopefully. And then we get you booked. We'd love to be able to work with you. Uh, travel all along the Intermountain West. Some people call it the Jello Belt. Uh, you can go to bestdjinutah.com to request a quote. You can find us on any of the social medias at bestdjinutah. And uh, we can answer any questions. Affordable? Yes. Over 400 five-star reviews? Yes. Highest rated in the state of Utah? Uh-huh. Go on. It's best djinutah.com and and I'll give you a little hint it, it also helps me to be able to do this like financially support the cultural hall through that and you get something in return Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop and they start at only $29 a month and it comes with a lifetime warranty. Just check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, remember you can always send us an email, contact at theculturalhall.com. You want to say uh, thanks to Darren for being a part of this episode, send that email, contact at theculturalhall.com. You know about another great project that's coming out that needs attention contact at theculturalhall.com. It's where you can send all emails. And the best part is when you are, um, you know, suffering from insomnia, it's the middle of the night and you're thinking, if I don't send this now, I'll forget. You can send it and I'll get to it when I wake up. Contact at theculturalhall.com. Darren, tell me uh, how this whole thing started. And I want to actually preface it with a whole question. Uh, you are stepping into a realm with a Book of Mormon centered sort of project where others have gone and have failed miserably or <laughs> i should say uh we're maybe not as good as everyone hoped maybe failed miserably is not the right uh term to kind of uh, to put on some of those other projects but certainly this is not the first time something like this has been done but it's not always it's it's not always done well and it's not always received well. So take me back to when you're like, yeah, here we go. Let's roll this out. Like when the idea was born? Yeah, take me from the idea to the Kickstarter well, to the film. Yeah, so uh, going back to high school, um, I, I made a, I made a, a clay. You know, we, 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 hey, this is a project. You get to choose what you're going to sculpt. Mm -hmm. And I made a sculpture of the Book of Mormon with an arm coming out of the middle of it, holding a sword okay, and, and a shield stuck on the page that said in memory of our God. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about this for a long time and uh, you know, I, I, I started a, I started a kind of a podcast, I guess a little bit um, just reading the scriptures and, and what I eventually got to, cause I put them on YouTube and, um, I eventually got to the point where I was trying to visually portray them with pictures and it just wasn't enough. I'm like, I got to just make a movie. Uh -huh. And, and uh, so uh, just over 13 years ago, um, I started writing a script and I wrote the first 10 pages and man, it's been through just thousands of drafts. Uh, I've written actually probably over six scripts 
before we actually made the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a 13 plus year journey of, you know, trying to find the right story. And uh, so that's where it started. But you go to it uh, and say, hey, people, uh, is there proof of concept sort of socially, you know, getting the money from Kickstarter, right, to do the original short? Yeah. Yeah. So we eventually, um, you know, we we kind of started lightly raising money and um, you, you, we, raised, we raised some funds, but, you know, it's never enough. I mean, the, the movie we were originally trying to make, you know, is a 40 million dollar plus right. budget. I mean, it's it's a it's a war film with three battles in it. You know, it's like and not not only that, it's a period war film of a, of a here to uh, or, or I guess heretofore never seen time of history, really. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about you got to think about this logically, when you're doing that, that means you have to create armor that does not exist. You can't go borrow Roman stuff. You can't go borrow, you know, and so that becomes super costly to do right, you know, mm-hmm. unless you want them looking like they're in cardboard boxes. You know what I mean? Like, you, it, it, and I wasn't going to do the do the disservice of not having it look right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we tried to raise this, this, you know, ton, millions of dollars. And it was it was a real struggle, man. Um, for like obviously 13 years and um and then what happened is after i after i wrote the first 10 pages i july 4th i believe it was 2014 i just said you know what i'm gonna put these 10 first 10 pages up i think it was actually 16 pages 16 pages huh yeah (laughs) and uh, i put them up uh i i actually did a presentation uh we call them firesides so like you know basically like a speech where you're invited to talk about you know something that possibly can inspire people who knows what inspires people of my life but um and someone a gentleman came up after and says this must be shown to the world i will pay for a website that's how it was born so -hmm. this guy paid for the website hired the web designer and uh within probably less than a week we were up and I I did something that I'd never seen done before. I released publicly the first 16 pages of a script to download. I think we had, I don't know, probably 10,000 plus downloads. People started reading it. They're like, hey, this is actually really good. Can, yeah. What do you need? And I'm like, hey, we just need $40 million. I mean, yeah. if you know anybody, you know? Yeah. And oh man, did it just take forever? And, uh, and, and eventually, you know, I'm going to get personal here. I, I feel like that's the only way to be. Sure. Frankly, uh, you know, to, to have peace in your life, you just have to be real. And we actually ran out of money many times. Uh, I, this is actually public knowledge. I, I, I've been I've sold real estate for um, gosh, almost 20 years. I still have an active license. Tom Cruise has an active real estate license, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's how I supported my family. I got a wife and four kids. And um, what happened is. We ran out of funds because I, my attention would constantly be on this film. Every moment I would spend on this film, it was a little bit of an obsession. And I can't really explain it other than the, that I was wrought upon. I just, mm-hmm. Duke, why? Yeah, leave me alone. I just want to support my family and live my life. But it just kept sucking me in. And I just, I'm like, I have to do this thing. And uh, it, it, it caused, you know, so what I had to do is I had to put it on the shelf for an entire year. Mm. And in that one year, not to like whatever, I mean, I closed so many real estate. Like if you would have seen me, like you would have not believed that someone had the capacity to to close as much work as I did. Mm-hmm. Put, my, put my family into a house because we had three years earlier sold our house 
for this project. We literally sold our house to keep going. And I I put it on the shelf for an entire year and put my family into into a house. We built a home. And um, consequently, for for an entire year, we didn't even make any social media posts. We like disappeared. And I'm sure people thought, oh, well, he just, you know, went off and did his thing. If they only knew what was happening. And, you know, it's a lesson in really just don't judge someone until you walk a walk a mile in their shoes. You you just don't know. And we're always so quick to judgment these days. It's like something you scorn and you judge and it's just jumping. It's like, look, if you'd have known what was going on. So we got a new house and I made this uh, video. I said, you know what? I woke up at five in the morning. I'm like, I have to like, I have to address our audience and just tell them. And I, and so I, I made this video and it was, it was basically like um, the next Hollywood disruptor. <laughs> and it was basically the case for making a film based on this uh, epic source material. And it went viral. Um, you know, at the time, like what, I mean, like we're, we're used to like, well, if it has, doesn't have like a hundred million views, that's not right. very good. But I mean, it had like between YouTube and Facebook, it had, I think probably like 200,000 or something, but this is organic, man. This is when, um, like, it's just being shared. It was shared like probably 2000 times. It, it did go viral in its own right. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I found myself in this situation where I'm like, whoa, they're still responding after a year of not posting. And so I said, I got to keep going. And so a guy from that uh, that video saw saw that video and he said, hey, I've done a lot of Kickstarter campaigns. You need to do a Kickstarter. Come talk to me. And this guy, I don't think he would mind me using his name, Jackson Holberg. He's he's a dear friend and, and I, he's just awesome. He had already, he had done a very successful Kickstarter himself. And before he did that, he took all the people to lunch who were the biggest Kickstarters, which by the way, Utah is probably one of the largest Kickstarter success pools yeah. in the world. <clears throat> And it and it and it and it really leans to the people of of the Latter Day Saints. They're they're just industrious and they're go getters and and so. But um, I I met with this guy and he said you can do this and I can show you how to do it. And and I had you know I, I knew that it's not like what people think. People think you just post on Kickstarter and it's like oh look it's the next millionaire. You know, yeah. Yeah. you know Brandon Saunderson makes forty two million dollars. Yeah. You know it's like and and they think this is easy. Oh man, I'll tell you what. When you want to do a Kickstarter campaign, first of all, you better put your armor on because you're going to hear it from every side. There are messages that come in that are just, I can't believe someone has finally done this. I'm so behind this, da, da, da. And you're just like on cloud nine. And the next email you get is, how dare you, you you child of hell? How could you possibly think that you were the one to do this? And, and it's like, whoa, take it easy. So crowdfunding is on its own right as you become public. And not only that, if you fail, you publicly fail. Yeah. And what was miraculous about the first Kickstars, we had no money, man. And it, it, we all I did is I literally, I wrote personally to every one of our like 1,500 backers when they would back the project. And I would say, please, we don't have a lot of money. Please share this with 10 to 15 people. And they responded. That's how we did it. We raised $225,000, uh, some of the outside of Kickstarter. And that birthed what became Reign of Judges, Tile of Liberty, the pilot film that was uh, that eventually um, raised the funds for our full feature, which is now titled The Oath. And I can get to why we changed the title if you ask me that question later. But anyway, that kind of tells you about where the film came from a little bit and a little bit about me and, and kind of the really arduous journey, man. Like, uh, I mean, when I don't know if I'd do it again. It's it's uh, it's it's been 
you know, ignorance is bliss. Sometimes I think God doesn't tell us the future because we need to accomplish certain things. And had we known how difficult it would have been, we may not have done it. Hundred percent. I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, what is the what is the uh, the Bar- the Garth Brooks line that 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 um, it's good that we no, don't. Know. God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Is that where we're going? No, it, the one where he yeah, the one where he talks about that uh, it's it's good that we don't know the end from the beginning. Oh, sometimes. You yeah, know, in, in a way, in our own lives. And sure. That also, it, that also is required for us to work in in faith. You know, not seeing. And so anyway, anyway, next question, man. Yeah, yeah, let me ask you this. So when people sidle up to you and they go, hey, Darren, what, what is this movie about? Because it's not, uh, I would not say that it's like, uh, you're not taking the scriptures and being like, bah, 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 and this is, you know, uh, it's not the Book of Mormon on the screen, necessarily. That's not how I would describe it. It's not, yeah, how do you, how do you say what it is, uh, giving it the context of what it is, but also, you know, knowing that... Part of what you're sharing is probably is something that could have happened, but we don't necessarily know did. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'm glad you tackled this, and I'm going to now tackle it. So get Please. ready, uh, quarterback sack, brother. Here we go. Here it comes. The thing is, like, we have gotten this. We've gotten into really this blindsided rut. I think in our church and really in all churches, this, this, this exists where it's like, you didn't portray it exactly how it's written. Mm-hmm. And we get in this thought and like, did we forget that Jesus, the master of the universe, taught almost exclusively with parables? What are parables? They are made up stories to illustrate in one of the most powerful ways possible in a story. Um principles of the gospel. That is how he talked. And, you know, I also think we forget this isn't something that hasn't been done before, right? Mm-hmm. The church, the church itself, the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints produced, funded, and um, exhibited uh, t- the movie Testaments for whatever, two decades or something. It was in Joseph Smith Memorial Building. That has almost every storyline in that is entirely made up. Except for Jesus coming to America, of course, but the characters have—they're made up. They're, mm-hmm. they're fictitious, and you know, and the, there's as a love story that's fictitious. Sure. It's, and so, you know, th- this isn't something that hasn't been done before. Um, but it's also important to note, and I and I and I say this with boldness. I have, I have no shame because there's nothing to be ashamed of. I will tell you this: those who have studied the source material, like I have, I've read it over sixty times, and I'm not just talking about reading it. Like I actually, I. I have like absorbed it and it, it's um, it's influenced me, you know, to, to be a, a better kinder person. Or at least I try, uh, but the, but the, the words in the page, those who know the scriptures, they'll know and they will see in this movie how much of it's actually in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in the dialogue everywhere. Sure. I mean, I'm almost literally quoting what Moroni actually said, you know, in, in his, you know, moments of agony and his moments of triumph and his moments of, you know, taking a stand. Those are, those are almost directly taken from the book. And the other thing is um, without spoilers, right? Yeah. No spoilers. Without spoilers. There's actually a vision that, that is found actually in literal history of the church. I have the actual uh, PDF from the church archives because I I came across this when I was um, living in El Salvador for two years, uh, preaching the gospel and it, it it just struck me from the moment I read it. And it's it's basically a third hand account of a 
of, of the man, Joseph Smith, um, who saw a vision of the death of Moroni. And I believe it's called, I believe it's called the fate of Morona. And it's a really epic vision. And when I saw it, I'm like, dude, he literally uses the words on the scene mm. as if it was a movie. And I saw it like from an aerial view as it, and that, that actually was the basis for our pilot. And, uh, and then the pilot there then was, was the basis for the feature. Mm-hmm. And so I just want people to know that these things aren't invented out of whole cloth. Right. Um, one of the things that, um, that that Moroni says interestingly is in his final words he says you know because he's he's writing in the plates right that's what we believe he's writing in the plates right carving the words and um, if he's writing in the plates why did he say and I seal up this record after I have spoken a few words hmm. and you start to go why did he say spoken and not written who's he speaking to and you start to go. Well, if he's speaking, is he is he dictating to someone who's who's writing down what he's saying? Like, you know, you really start to I'm just saying, like, you really got to think about this stuff. And I mean, look, we history is replete with people making rash judgments and looking really stupid afterwards. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I've done it. We've sure. all done it. Yes. And so, you know, we really have to get back to this. The spirit of charity, man where you give someone the benefit of the doubt, I'm telling you, I'm promising you that if people watch this movie with the eye of criticism, looking for something to hate, looking for something to scorn and to say that's not right, you're not going to get it. But if you go into this movie, take your guards down and just let it have you for two hours, you will not, I'm telling you, there's something wrong with you if you do not feel something powerful from watching from watching this movie you yeah. just can't you just can't watch it and not feel something and 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 uh and something good you know if you're if you're in that place but you know uh we've, we've audience tested and it's been really it's been really amazing to see the evolution of um of reactions yeah yeah I, w- find it. yeah I want to I want to take another break when we come back I just ha- I want to just drill you with some just sort of random questions from my viewing. I think they're things that people will think are interesting, yeah. uh, but I just want to ask about them. We'll go through that. And then there's three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I'll ask those of you. We'll come back and do that in the third block of the cultural hall. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, uh, you know, if you are not a Patreon saint yet of the Cultural Hall, consider doing that. Go to patreon.com forward slash the Cultural Hall. And I always like to say, put your money where your ears are, won't you please? You love the Cultural Hall. We give you multiple episodes a week. We give you inside sneak peeks on things. It is worthwhile takes my time you know 13 years of my life doesn't cost for nothing i'd love to see your financial appreciation by going to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall 
All right, so here we go. I'll uh, take your question as the first one. Why did you go from Reign of Judges to The Oath? We changed the name, which, by the way, just I realized we haven't even said it. Oathmovie.com, people. Oathmovie.com. If you want to watch the trailer, we have a new trailer, a brand new trailer that's freaking epic. Sorry. Uh, you can say freaking gonna, epic. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's freaking awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's going to drop next week, probably, um, on social. And it'll be in theaters over Thanksgiving and stuff. So look for that. Uh, oathmovie.com. So we changed the name because what happened was, and this is, again, one of the kind of harrowing experiences, especially for the family who suffered it. Um, we had, you know, what you'd call in the business an angel investor. And um, he had committed to to basically, we, he had greenlit the film. And uh, I remember coming out with uh, one of our producers at the time who was not who is not a, a member of my faith. Um, mm -hmm. And he said, why aren't you celebrating? Do you understand what just happened? He just he not only greenlit this film, he greenlit the remaining films because this is supposed to be a series mm -hmm. like you don't understand. Like, why aren't you celebrating? And I'm like, you know, if you'd been through what I'd been through for the last 12 years or whatever at that time, yes, yeah, but 11 years. Uh huh. You would be hesitant to celebrate as well. And sure. It, you know, it's not like you're projecting doom, but it's like, dude, you know, yesterday was cloud nine. Today is the gates of the jaws of hell. So yeah, yeah. it's I just I, you know, I I was a little hesitant. I'm like, OK, you know, look, I'm going to celebrate when it's done man, and when it's actually done and it's successful. That's when I'll jump up and down. And and so what happened is um, uh, some of the money was sent, was received by this investor and. Uh, literally a week before he sent the remaining funds, he died. What? Yeah, like totally unexpected. Totally <sighs> unexpected. He he passed away. And uh, I got to tell you, Richie, you know, you have, there's so many like end of your rope, come to Jesus moments in this project where it's like, God, take the wheel. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I had literally publicly said that we were greenlit. And this happened. So you understand that it's almost like this is Satan's plan, right? He he wanted to make God a liar in the Garden of Eden, right? He wanted to have him take the fruit and then die. Mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, live forever in their sin, right? And he tried, this is why, why Satan's such an evil dude. He like literally, literally tried to usurp God's throne. And um, so you have this, and now I become a liar. I have told the public that we're green lit and now we're not. Now I'm a liar. And so you understand, like I was on my knees, like sobbing in my closet. I mean, it's prostrate position, man. Mm -hmm. I was as low as the dust. I, and frankly, I was yelling at God at, at a lot of points. I'm like, if this is what you want, you have to show me what to do because I don't know what to do. We didn't have the money to make the script we'd written. Sure. And so... I say this, that, that the oath is a miracle. It is a divine miracle. It shouldn't exist because this wasn't the story we were going to tell. And God took it away. So, uh, you know, and, and you know, more to the, to the family that had to suffer even more than, than we did, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and what happened is, you know, look, uh, whether religious or not, it's funny that all the science is now confirming like religious stuff like, oh, hey, fasting is good for you. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's We're like, yeah, we, know, we knew, we, we knew, know it's that. fine, it's fine. You'll get it, you'll get that, yep, sure. Yeah. So I, 
fasted, you know, full 24 hours, man. I was like shaking, brother, like <laughs> no, no food, water, come off the fast and I go to bed and um, I had a dream, man. Like, uh, um, and I had two very specific images that you see in the movie um, flash in my mind. And not only did they flash, I felt what the audience felt when they saw them. And uh, that was it. I woke up the next morning, came out of the room, said, honey, I'm writing a new script. You know, my wife, Michelle, um, you know, has been a otherworldly support. She's just been so uh, patient. I mean, <laughs> what, what wife on the planet would let their dude go on a 13 year journey, almost financially breaking them various times along the way and just say, you know what, keep going. It, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the calling. So she was, she was my co-writer, you mm -hmm. know, and I would write and uh, she would read and give me notes. And she's like, okay, I don't know how hard this is, but just, you know, do this. And I'm like, oh, you don't know how hard you're making my job. So, um, so we co-wrote it and I said, I said, we write a new script. And in two weeks I wrote the script for the oath. Wow. Now, of course, you know that revisions occur thereafter, but the first draft was completed in two weeks. And I know that this was one of your questions was what was it like um, making this? And I can tell you that, look, man, for what it's worth, when I was writing the script, I, I literally, I had, I mean, I, I just sobbed many times because, you know, you're writing the script. You have no idea if anyone's ever going to even see it. Sure. You have no idea if it's ever going to even get to theaters, you know, let alone make its money back. You sure. know, and like, and by the way, this isn't like some money making venture. This is like, dude, people sacrificed to get this movie done. Like the, the financial sacrifice that I have seen firsthand has been staggering, literally staggering. And it, and it shakes me to the to the core, man. And I, I I want to get their funds back because they deserve it. Like, mm -hmm. and I, I remember writing this and, and just sobbing because I'm like, thank you, God, for for letting me do this. Like, even if it doesn't go anywhere, I'm grateful. You know, and I think, you know, there's people that are out there and like, well, this isn't exactly how the book of Well, what do we know about Moroni's life? Man, he wandered for 40 years alone. We don't know a whole lot of what happened. And so you really have to take it with a grain of salt and say, well, I know. Well, did you live with Moroni? Because you know what? He saw us. He said, Jesus has shown you to me. Mm -hmm. And it and it just takes me aback that we don't read that scripture every week. If someone says, Jesus showed you to me 2,000 years earlier, wouldn't you want to know like what he thought seeing our time in a time of literally like depravity and mm -hmm. him living in a cave? <laughs> yeah, being hunted yeah. for his life and he sees us i would want to know that i would want to memorize that and know exactly what he saw and what he what he said we were like yeah you know one of the one of the many things he said that's like really is he said why have you polluted the holy church of god like doesn't that make you want like whoa i think he's calling us out there I yeah if for if for nothing else to think how have i polluted the church of god yeah. right yeah is it or is it i right exactly or is it so yeah so uh Anyway, um, I don't know if that. Yeah, I think so. Let me ask you this though: it's a, it's a, it's um, it is one thing to say this is my life's project to write this thing and be able to share this story about this person that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Yeah, uh, it is an entirely different thing to write a story and be like, and I am going to portray the person oh. that I have <laughs> a tremendous amount of respect for. So tell me about that decision, or was it always that choice? 
Thanks for bringing that up because this is again, you know, when you get the hate mail, look, it's not the hate mail is so minute. It's it's like you get, you know, a hundred emails of people loving what you've done, and then you get maybe two. They're like, "How dare you?" You know. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. this has come up. It's like you know, somebody comments like, "Of course he casts himself as the lead." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, again, turn the finger of scorn around just for a minute. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If they would have known what we went through. I made offers to over a dozen A-listers for this role. Mm -hmm. And we, we offered them good money, man. Mm -hmm. Like, good money. And uh, we heard back from a lot of them. Some of them didn't even respond. You know, it's like, and it, and essentially, and then so I put up a casting notice. We we, uh, we had, gosh, I think it was over 15 or 1600 submissions. Uh, of those, we narrowed it down to like 100. Of those, narrowed it down to 30 to 10. And I'm just saying, like, look, I cast all my projects. I've done over 30 commercials. This is my first feature, mm -hmm. but I've done over 30 commercials. And I always like to direct cast my stuff because it's like it's a it's kind of a big decision. And sometimes you get so confused with so many people, like thousands of people that you're seeing. It's like by the time you're done, like, who do you even know who you're looking for? Yeah, it's confusing. Too many choices is confusing. And so um, so, we, you know, we we took it in and I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching their auditions and this none of them got it, man. Mm. I, I mean, they just didn't. They didn't have it. And uh, yeah, this sounds like, I, look, I know how this sounds, but I'm going to just say the truth and let the chips fall. It's the dang truth. And before the throne of God, I will, I will, I will stand by these, these words. Cause I know they're true. Um, we made an offer to, to, uh, I wouldn't say he's an A-lister, but I mean, at one point he was, a, he was a big, big dude. Mm -hmm. I won't say his name, but you would know exactly who it is if I said, um, mm -hmm. and we had a cell phone connection. Okay, so this was a strong, this was, we just bypassed the agent, went right to him, read the script, and, and I said, God, I said, God, uh, and this is after I reviewed all the auditions, we were going to hear back the next morning whether this person was going to take the role, mm -hmm. and I stood in front of the mirror alone in my, you know, hotel in New York, and I auditioned myself. Oh, Joe, he's just so full of himself. He wants to watch himself in the mirror. I'm telling you, dude, when you have your Jesus moment and you're like, you're sincere, because all God cares about is sincerity. Even if you're cussing up a storm, at least you're sincere. That's what he wants. He wants you to be sincere yourself. And I stood in front of the mirror and I auditioned for this role. I mean, it, it was so written on my soul. I wrote the thing with my wife. I... I rehearsed it so many times in my mind as I'm writing it. I didn't, even, I was totally off book. I didn't even have to look at it. And I did it. And oh my gosh, it was just like, and I said, God, if this person accepts the role tomorrow, I will be thrilled and accept it as your will. And if he doesn't, my decision will be made and it will be me. Mm. And um, part of that reason, you know, God has a way of like, <laughs> kind of, you know, pigeonholing you and corralling you sometimes when he wants you to make a decision that he wants you to make it, it, the oath case in point like we mm -hmm. he literally took away every decision this is we had to make this movie because it was the only movie we could make and that's how i know it's supposed to exist mm -hmm. and uh i and and the same thing happened with this casting we were out of time we were we were going to film in like i think two and a half weeks Jeez. And we had we had to have armor for this guy and i and all of it came together the armor was molded to my body for the pilot film and it, it that was it was expensive armor we made fbfx from from london that they did troy and gladiator mm -hmm. they made our so it's like it's not like i can just rush out and make some new armor and it fit me it was molded to my body so everything just made sense and the next morning sure enough he turned down the role and i'm like dude 
you're nuts, man. I just, I just lob ball pitched you away to, to revive your career. Mm. And he, he turned down. So, so I said, it's done. I, I emailed, texted my producers. It's me. I'm doing it. I'm like, okay. Here go. That's how the decision came of being Moroni. And of course you always kind of dream of yourself in that kind of, who sure. wouldn't, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, uh, I could, I could never act again and be happy, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh a question about that. Uh, you are shredded in the film. Uh, I gotta know, <laughs> is that, is that just days and weeks and months of dedication or where you just happen to be in that? Cause so I did this probably more than any sort of biographical research. I started looking at older pictures of you and I'm like, no, he a hundred percent beefs up for this. <laughs> you know, there's a one picture that I found where I was like, yeah, I mean, he just looks like, you know, kind of a thinner, you know, dad bod sort of thing. And then you see the opening thing of the film and you're like, okay, here we go. <laughs> it, wh- how, what was that process like? About, you know, when, again, we went public and I thought we were going to be making a movie that year. Oh, if I only knew it was going to be like eight years later, right? Mm-hmm. I, I went into the gym and I've always, I've always like carried a, a pretty fit figure. I, I sure. you know, I care a lot just about health. Um, you know, you can have someone who's who's uh, slightly overweight to maybe a little overweight and, and they're very healthy people. Like it's sure. not about, I just, I'm health. And and so, um, but I got into the gym and within, I don't know, probably two months, I put on about 30 pounds. So I, I'm sitting about 200 pounds still. And I've maintained that for literally eight years. And so essentially what it came down to was um, some of it, some of it was there. And then I, I basically just kind of tipped it off by um, by really hitting it hard. I mean, it's people like, what? I mean, I literally hit it hard for about a month. Yeah. Because I had I had a good base and I want everyone to know watching this. You carried it from me. It's natural. Like I did not, you know, almost everybody in Hollywood went when, when like, you know, big actors are like, oh, yeah, you know, it worked out for three months. Like, dude, you're on, you're on something, right? It's yeah. they're all, and, and, and Sylvester Stallone even said, you don't say you're not on, everyone's on something. It's like, <laughs> cause they can't do that. And in fact, in fact, that level of like Hugh Jackman ripness and Wolverine, that is not natural, man. Sure. You cannot maintain that for more than like a day or two. They get there and then for a day they dehydrate themselves. It's like a whole process to do that. And so, you know, Mine was all natural. The only thing I took was creatine, which is a natural thing that's already in your body. And you're essentially just chopping off your cells. And, it, and it's very helpful to give you that kind of quick bulk that you need. Um, and uh, and so that's the only thing I did. But I mean, honestly, like with everything that I was doing and, and, and mind you, too, this was not a super high budget film. And so it's like when and I need to say when you watch it and I don't know if I mean, look, I'm put words in your mouth, but it, it does not look like anything near what we shot it for. It, it looks very big and epic. Yeah, um, one of the things that that I really appreciate about it is the 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 beauty of it, which isn't to downplay uh, the story at all, but sure. the the sweeping shots that you're able to accomplish, and 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 just some of like the the landscape and, and like environment of it, just yeah. that absence of actors, absence of story. Mm-hmm. There were several times that I was like, "Whoa, this is 
almost like the feeling you get when you go see like a national a national geographic imax film where you're like mm. i'm here i'm experiencing it it was immersive in that way so just just beautiful one of the compliments i wanted to make sure that i shared with you is is that alone worth mm. being able to go and see you know add in great acting a, a a fascinating story which you know is moving if you allow it to move you but just the visuals in it amazing. yeah yeah thank you brian brian o'carroll our, our uh, director of photography a uh, very very talented eye um and you know when you're in front of the camera and you're directing as well you really need somebody behind the camera that you're like you got to look at them in the eye did i get it did i get mm -hmm. it you know, because we were moving so fast that you don't have time to review. If we were to review, we wouldn't. We, we shot this in 21 days. Jeez. But but go back to like um, the the body transformation, and I want to bring this up because anytime I can I can plant a seed of miracles to people. People need hope. Okay. A month before this filming, I bulged a disc in my lumbar. It's oh, it's geez. the same injury that I had injured eight years ago, and I did it lifting weights. And when I, when it happened, I'm like, oh God, no. Like I literally, I literally bent, hinged over and I'm like, you, no, because I'm, I mean, I'm doing my own stunts. I got to do stunts in 30 days, man. And I, I literally hit my knees and I pled with the Lord. I said, God, fuse my back together, cleave it together. Give me strength. And it wasn't just like, oh, the next day it wasn't instant, but I, I got on the line and I researched everything of how to fix like inflammation in the back. I, I was so strict. Nothing in my diet was inflammatory. I took supplements, disc supplements, disc recovery supplements. Um, and miraculously, much before that, because I've struggled with back most of my life, um, I found decompression. And it's really the only reason I'm walking around. It's literally saved my life. Hmm. Um, and I decompressed. Drive, so I have to drive across the country. Because at the time during COVID, a rental car literally was like, seven grand and i'm like i could buy a car for that much so i drove my truck alone across the country i slept in a tent in the back of my truck a truck tent <laughs> in walmart parking lots <laughs> and you know the last thing that you can do or the last thing you need when you have a, a lumbar injury is to sit for three and a half days in a car Please. And so I would go to the Walmart parking lots and I would literally hang like a bat. I've got videos of me on this upside down from the cart rails, from the cart things, corrals, because I have this little swing that I hang. And that's it's the only way that it saved my life. I would decompress every night, sleep, get up the next morning, keep driving. Jeez. And by the time I got there and combination of, of strengthening and literally I, I couldn't lift over 50 pounds at a time. So I had to like crawl it up on my arm brace myself on the back so I could still lift the weights and get the mask that I needed. Um, and miracle, man, we get to set. I do my own stunts, no injuries. It looks like I'm not even hurt. Right. I, I mean, look, you go research it, bulging a disc and research how long it's supposed to take to recover. You're looking at like three months, sometimes longer sure. 30 days. And so I say, say what you want, but no one will convince me otherwise that that was not a divine intervention uh, to, to put my body back together. So anyway, yeah. Uh, one question that I have, there's a, there's a scene where you're running. Is it CGI? Is any of the film CGI? No. Oh, okay. um, yes. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of visual effects. In fact, God is my witness. I've done nearly 500 visual effects 
myself for this wow. movie. Um, and that was a journey in itself because I didn't have the skill set to 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 do that level do that level of visual effects, and I had to learn. Um, and so, but yeah, there's a lot of visual effects in the movie, um, but most of it is real. Yeah, it, most of the visual effects came down to cleanup. It's like, oh, there's a telephone pole there, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, there's, you know, there's a guy walking in the background. Got to clean that up, you know. There's a Starbucks that. coffee cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly for yeah. the whatever it's the Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of visual effects, but but most of it was practical. And and so that it's like, dude. Uh, um, sorry, I keep saying dude. I'm gonna say I call you dude. Hey, do you I know you? Call me dude. It's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, New York is beautiful. The upstate upstate New York um, is is a really beautiful place. It's a land of many waters, really. There's so many fountains and waterfalls. The, the, and that's the, where this was all filmed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mostly. Mm -hmm. The opening running scene was filmed in the Oregon coast uh, because that was a pickup shoot. <laughs> but uh, but the rest was filmed in New York. And uh, yeah, the running's real. And, and, and one, one person, I had a friend text me after seeing the trailers like, was that clip sped up? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're actually, they're actually, there's always, man, when you got action scenes, every one of those is sped up. When you sure. got a car whipping around the corner, sure. it's like, they're speeding that up. It, it's always sped up. Yeah. Um, you know, so we have that in our film, but um, that particular shot, he's, he screenshot is it. Is this shot? Are you, is that, is that sped up? Mm -hmm. I like, no. Wow. So essentially it was, it was kind of on a slope. I was running a little bit downhill, but man, I was flying and, uh, and he's like, I can't even believe. And, and just one more note on the running, um, the forest that we ran in, in Oregon mm -hmm. is literally covered with roots. Oh, I'm running that fast on roots. I could have miracle number two of this video that I'm going to tell you, uh, I could have broken my ankle so easily. I'm wearing sandals, man. Yeah. And so that alone is a miracle. That's like, how did I possibly traverse at the speed of sprinting a bed of roots and not break my ankle? And there were no injuries. There's a shot of me jumping off a rock, which, by the way, does not do it justice. It was probably a 10 foot leap. Mm -hmm. And it was literally I did it 20 times. And finally, my director of photography said, stop, you are going to kill yourself. Stop. And we got done and it worked out and we got it. And we get back to the to to our uh, to our beach house there that we'd rented, and um, the uh, the um, camera assistant. He's looking at me, just shaking his head, drinking his whatever he's drinking. I don't know, probably something, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm at the church, so he's drinking this stuff. Sure. And he's, like, and he's looking, he's shaking his head. He's like, I have never seen the level of athleticism that I saw today. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, man, you got to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We literally were running all day, you know. We've got 21 days. Let's do this thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, I I know that our time is short with you. I would love to take this opportunity to allow you tell people why they need to see it uh, opening weekend, how they can support the film uh, nationwide is what I'm reading. So yeah. so give me all the big go out to the theater push right now. Yeah. So um, it is so important. Opening weekend is so, so important. Just, just to give you a quick snapshot of the back end of what happens in a theatrical release. You have, it's kind of like this, you know, guys in, in rooms with cigars who decide what theaters, what movies go into theaters. And, you know, we've got a champion with freestyle releasing. They're really amazing. Uh, Mike Simon at Freestyle is incredible. Chris uh, Charlemis, the, the whole team's just amazing. 
and um, they are they are going to war getting this in place in theaters here and here and here, and they're doing fantastic job. We're over, I think, like three or four hundred theaters at this point. Wow! And by the time we release, it'll be over six hundred and fifty. Incredible. And just be patient. There are tickets. Pre-sales are selling right now, everywhere. Now, some of the theaters on the confirmed list, you can click on a, a spreadsheet there. It shows that it's an ongoing confirmed list of theaters. And you say, well, why isn't this theater coming up? It's because they haven't posted. Not all theaters allow pre-sales. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miraculously, Regal, Cinemark, um, and uh, several others have given us a month of pre-sales. And what happens is they go and say, okay, uh, they're selling. They're saying this is going to sell. And so they give us pre-sales. And what happens if it doesn't sell, they're watching it very closely. And when it doesn't sell, they say, okay, we're not going to give you any more locations until we can sell this. So it's a big mm-hmm. deal. And you have to understand, this isn't like, well, nobody wants to see it. It doesn't matter how big the movie is. If you don't have like a massive marketing budget that is literally flooding everybody's newsfeed, flooding everybody's social, like they cannot get away from it. If that's not the case, you're not going to sell tickets. Yeah, Like it's it's a very hard thing to get the word out. So uh, I cannot emphasize enough. Don't wait till opening weekend. It's available in so many hundreds of theaters around the country are already selling. Get your tickets now. Take groups. Take groups of 20. Buy out showtimes. And what will happen is they're going to be forced to expand those showtimes. Go to oathmovie.com, oathmovie.com, click on get tickets, and you yeah, can write it's super it. Easy. It automatically populates. Super, super easy. easy. I, I just clicked on it. It's You cannot miss it. It is available yeah. in multiple places on the website. We'll leave a link in the show notes for oathmovie.com so people yeah. can go and do that. Uh, Darren, three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I'll ask those of you right now. First question is, Is do you have a calling right now, sir? And if so, what is it? Well, right now, I certainly... Look, no one works on a movie for 13 years unless they feel like it's a calling. Okay. Okay. Like that, that is absolutely my calling. It's it's my family's calling, which, by the way, my family participated, my entire family. There's a cameo of my son in this movie that has jerked the tears of many audience screenings. Mm. It's it takes you off guard. And it's my real son. And mm. uh, it, you know, every every one of my family is in the credits somewhere. Some of them sewed costumes, some of them, you know. Wow. So it was a family endeavor. This is our calling, has been our calling, and we will see it through to fruition. It's great to finally be here. December 8th. December 8th is our release date. And uh, stand or fall, right? Uh, we're we're so excited to to finally be here. Uh, but yeah, this is my calling right now. Absolutely. If you could, if you could pick a calling, uh, either one that exists within the church or make one up, what would you pick? <laughs> Probably it would be something to do with the youth um you know without you know sharing personal things there's there's things that i've been told in my life that that's where i need to be Mm. and uh, so it would have to be some you know we we the youth owes a lot to the previous generation and the generation who came before them but we also owe owe a lot to them and in, in the sense that we have to try to give to the upcoming generation the things that that made us who we are the the good things that that we have in our lives. And I think that over the last, it's like we've lost so much of the stuff that, that made us who we are and hardworking and, you know, all this stuff. And sometimes I feel like we leave the youth with not enough resources to, to really traverse this like turbulent, chaotic world that they're in. Like, I mean, it's just crazy that the world they're growing up in. And, and I feel like we have a moral obligation to help them and in a sense in my world give them content they can consume that will uplift and inspire and make them courageous 
to fulfill their own missions. Because whether people believe it or not, every single one of us has a mission. I'm talking like divine mission that we committed to do before we came here and we've got to find it. And my goal with this movie and with my life is to help people see what their mission is and go do it. Don't ever stop until it's done. Don't ever give up. Um, don't, don't ever give in to the voices that tell you it's impossible. Do it and God will open the way. The way will be open for you to accomplish your mission. And you'll know what it is because it's the thing that burns in your soul. It's mm -hmm. the thing that you can't get off your mind. It's the thing that you cannot finish work soon enough to get to. It gives you life. And you're like that, whatever that is. And if you haven't found it, you got to experiment with stuff and find it. Cause you're going to know it when you find it, it's going to hit you. And you're like, wow, I love this. You know, my, my 16 year old daughter, you know, uh, she's, she's so talented and beautiful. And, um, you know, sometimes like, well, what are you, we've, we've tried to get her in plays and stuff. She's done plays. She was, she was at the conference center in front of, you know, 20,000 people, you know, mm -hmm. in, the, in the candle girl or whatever, in one of their shows and um, <clears throat> very talented, but she's kind of not really picked something like, what is it going to be? And she's recently um, <clears throat> started lifting weights and she's like, she's becoming like this buff chick. Mm -hmm. And it's like, she's so passionate about it. Like, I don't care what it is. Like, Whatever it is that's going to be your mission that, you know, maybe that that mission there, like you say, well, oh, that's a mission, like making yourself, you know, buff. Sure. Well, it could be a mission if you use that to influence people for good and, and, and influence, you know, people to be healthy. Yeah, that's a good thing, you know, and, yeah. and hey, while you're at it, why don't you turn it somehow to do the most important thing on the planet of Earth right now, which is gather Israel. Yeah. Why, why don't you find a way to take that mission and in some way tap into that? gather israel um so anyway yeah that's probably what i do it'd be with the youth and okay. something like that and it would be a made-up position because i don't know that it actually well in in my capacity that i'm talking about i don't think it exists right now sure well you'll do it you'll do it you'll do <laughs> find your way into it and then you won't be able to put it down the last question we ask everyone uh we ask you to interpret it however you would like but the question yeah. remains what is your favorite part of your faith I, the favorite thing of my faith is that it requires something of me, you know, again, and I have to preface it this way because there's people that, you know, think Joseph Smith's a quack, but he said something, many things, very profound. One of them being that a religion that doesn't require the sacrifice of all things does not have the power to produce the faith sufficient unto salvation. There's a lot of organizations today that, hey, fluffy fluff. You know, come and come and listen to a good sermon once a week and then forget about it all week. Our faith, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that I will always stand behind because it's like no organization is perfect. We're looking for some perfect organization. You will belong to nothing. Mm -hmm. You will be, be alone. It is everywhere. Corruption is everywhere, including in our church. It's everywhere. And it's not the organizations, the people in the organization that sometimes foul things up. We're, we're fallible human beings. But I will always stand behind the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's a good organization, and it is necessary to require things of people, a commitment, a covenant, an oath. That is what the oath is about. It's about a time when oaths mattered. That when you gave an oath to somebody, like Nephi said of Zoram, our fears ceased. Because as soon as somebody makes an oath in that time, they will not break that oath. 
And we live in a time where we casually throw out promises. Yeah, I'll be there at five. Yeah, um, I'll call you tomorrow. Yeah, oh, oh, do you need something? Yeah, I'll bring that over tomorrow. Oh, shoot. And look, I'm not saying we're all imperfect. I do it too. I'm just saying we live in a time where we casually throw out commitments and promises. And I'm telling you, there's something spiritually that happens when you make a commitment and break it. And there is something spiritual that happens, powerful, otherworldly, like tap into supernatural you know, Marvel floating through the air kind of powers where you're accomplishing mighty things. There's something that happens when you keep a commitment at all costs. And you know what? When you make a commitment to God and you keep that commitment, he will always, always confirm you in all that you do. And that is what the oath is about. It is about the sacred nature of oaths. It is about making and keeping commitments to ourselves, to each other, and to God. And if you don't have a God in your life, boy, get something. Because if you don't have something that that, that anchors you outside of this, you know, fallen, you know, world that we live in, you're not going to make it. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're not going to make it unless you got something anchoring you outside. And uh, so, yeah, that that's what I love about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, and, and Gordon, Gordon B. Hinckley, um, said this uh, years ago, I believe it was on, uh, um, it, what is it, the t t t 60, 60 Minutes. Yeah, 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes interview. And he says, you know, we require something of our people. And I've always remembered that he said that. It's so true. It's, it requires something. It's, you know, you got to make a commitment and do your best to keep that commitment. You're going to fail. But you but you, you make the commitment. You repent and, and get back on the track. And it's never too late. You know what I mean? It's never too late. Yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, Darren, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. We encourage everyone to go and buy their tickets now. You can go to oathmovie.com, find the uh, link in the show notes. Buy them now. Don't wait till opening weekend. Support Darren in the, the amazing lifelong mission calling project that he's been doing. Uh, and so many others that have been walking alongside him to make this come to pass. Make sure that you go and check it out in theaters uh, December 8th. It's called The Oath. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.